tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Christmas Miracle, Burned Businessman, Gallup Abduction, and Mystery Santa. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Uh, Crystal... I picked something up recently-ish. Oh, geez. Mm, Is it curable? Uh, (laughs) um, Longtime listeners of the podcast will remember when we had a giveaway where the big prize was going to be a $1 off coupon for the Twilight Zone radio dramas sold mm-hmm. sold at yeah. Hollywood Video. Um, yeah, and we signed it. And then I and we took a picture with it. And then we framed it and sent that to someone. I don't remember who we sent it to, right? Yes, we uh-huh. we did all of those things. I have uh-huh. a similar, I think it's time for us to do a similar sort of giveaway. Uh, theme- oh, man. Yeah. The- themed. Wow. Yeah. Well, what do you think we should do? Well. For, and this is, what a, what timing? This is episode 90 of Reenacted. Yes. It's our, uh, what anniversary is that? Diamond is 75. What happens, what do you get when you're married for 90 years? <laughs> <laughs> what anniversary is that? How many people have a 90-year anniversary? I, I guess there must have been some, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, what do you what do you get? You, Arsenic. You you get to have suicide pills. You you get to <laughs> have, that. you get to have seen human society like you know go from horses and carriages to landing a man on the moon mm-hmm. with that sort of longevity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what were you thinking? Well, the thing is for the giveaway following in with the theme of our first giveaway where, I mean, it was basically a gag gift, right? No. Yeah. Who who, who wants a $1 off coupon for some radio show, uh, that they can only use at a participating Hollywood video location. Um, Uh uh-huh. So I actually recently picked up fairly cheaply a trading card for huh. um, Lloyd Benson, the hmm. the Texas senator who listeners of the pod, of course, will remember um, when that family in Texas encountered a UFO hovering over the, the highway and they got, you know, whatever radiation burns or whatever. They actually wrote to their senator, Lloyd Benson, who uh, was <laughs> tried to work on their behalf to get some sort of mm-hmm. addressment of that situation. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I have a I, I got a trading card for him. So I think I think it's time for us to give uh, we'll, we'll set up a little thing and. You know, some lucky fan okay. will will receive that, uh, and I can't promise it'll, it'll have the same level of fanfare that we added to the 
to the uh, mm-hmm. to the Twilight Zone radio drama Hollywood video coupon. Because um, uh-huh. obviously part of the gag of that was we we put a we put like a picture of us in the frame and uh, they got like a little like there was a certificate of authenticity and and everything. But um, you know I, I'm definitely not just gonna like drop this one in an envelope and mail it off. So. Why don't we uh why don't we do it like we did the last one, which is I think we were trying to get to 20, 20 reviews on iTunes mm-hmm. back then, back in those days. Um, let me see how many we have now. Uh, maybe you know maybe we. S- <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh oh, we have a problem. Uh oh. So there are exactly sixty nine ratings. Nice. <gasps> No way for us on iTunes right now. Yeah. Well, we don't. Yeah. We don't want to mess um, that up. Unfortunate. Unfortunately, uh, it seems like some of those ratings have dropped our average. So maybe. Um, oh man, I really. I almost don't want people to leave a review <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, why? Well, I mean, but we we need to get that average up. I don't know who's coming and sh- shitting on our. Uh, on our podcast. You could just not you could just not do that. <laughs> it's always an option. You stop listening to it. That's fine. You don't need to do that. But um why don't we do this? Uh since it's our 90th episode right now. Yeah. And we're also coming up on our 4 year anniversary. Jesus Christ, maybe we should think about not doing this anymore. 90 <laughs> episodes, 4 years in. Why don't we say, you know, if you can help us get to 90 reviews, um, and please do that by giving us five stars on iTunes, don't be rude. And if you're rude, we're not going to send you anything. But if you uh, leave your, um, you know, your name, you can be fake. I don't care what name you leave it under. And then when we get to 90, we'll do a random draw, just like we did last time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll see who we'll see who gets it. How does that sound, Robbie? That sounds fine by me. Okay, that seems that seems like a like ninety ninety to ninety is the contest, and you're gonna get uh, this trading card about UFOs of a U.S. senator who was Michael Dukakis's vice presidential <laughs> pick mm-hmm. in 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, Robbie, do you think you might want to throw in some... I saw that you also had a couple of stickers. Yeah. The, Would you be willing to throw in a sticker? You know, uh, the, the chances of a sticker getting thrown in are definitely not zero. Uh, I, okay. Yeah. So, so definitely a card if you win. And maybe a sticker, and and maybe and maybe some some crap in my my room that I don't want anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, here's the thing: most of our reviews, I'm looking at the graph, are five stars, and thank you for doing that. If you've if you've taken the time to be positive, um, and then the second highest amount, which is not even a third of the five star reviews, are one star reviews. And you know what? Like, just uh, chill out. <laughs> Yes. On that, should I, I? You know what? Should I read some of these one one star reviews because some of these are pretty funny. <laughs> oh, oh, I I read those. My favorite was like, 
it, it starts out it was something like not at all like I expected and not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, did we read this one before? I don't know. This is from July of last year. Uh, and it's from a fellow or felly. I don't know. What's the, a lady? That's the female version of fella. Um, and their screen name is deeper than the hauler. And this was left on July 2nd of 2020. Um, one star too much banter. If you're looking for a podcast of two friends hanging out and rambling about nonsense, this podcast is for you. It is. This is an accurate statement. (laughs) 100%. It is for you if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for a podcast about crimes and unsolved mysteries, this is not the podcast for you. Also accurate. Um, I've tried several times to get into this podcast, but today after sitting through nine minutes of pie talk, and that's in scare quotes, and stammering, I don't think I'll be attempting it again. Well, I, you know, deeper than the hall, I really do appreciate you trying to get through it. Um, I would have appreciated it more if you just kept that to yourself. But uh, fair. Um, I'm Again, though, I really want to read the byline for our podcast reenacted an unsolved mysteries podcast a podcast where your co-host robert and crystal that's me discuss an episode of the robert Her- robert stack hosted unsolved mysteries this is not a news broadcast the hosts do not take themselves or the program seriously they're just a couple of dummies who love the show um but- i'm not really sure how to make that more clear that this is not a serious true crime podcast maybe i could just say that <laughs> <laughs> It's tangential to true crime, um, but the fact that we talk about true crime is only, like, incidental to us talking about pie and aliens sometimes. Yes. So, um, but anyway, I'm not uh, I'm not bitter. I think it's actually very funny. And, and sometimes when I feel sad, uh, I go and I, I look at the reviews of some of my favorite podcasts, just the A-plus, super entertaining, <laughs> I never miss an episode. And, you know, people go and they shit on that, too. And a lot of it has to do with, like, um, it not meeting their expectations, which were based on a fiction in their own mind. Right. So you can't get upset about these things. I just think it's very funny. No, no, no. no. Uh, Robbie, it's uh, we're recording this at the end of August. Mm-hmm. But the episode of Unsolved Mysteries we're about to talk about is a very special Christmas episode from 1993. It is. Um, uh, at, at the open of the show, Robert Stack asks us to join him for these stories which capture the spirit of the season on a special holiday edition of Unsolved mm-hmm. Mysteries. Mm-hmm. The- now... <laughs> Robbie, uh, you know, I don't want to give too much away at the beginning here, but by the middle of this episode, I was really starting to fucking wonder what Christmas means in Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) This was not like, this was not, I mean, it's much easier to make a Halloween-themed episode of Unsolved Mysteries Mm -hmm. than to make a Christmas one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because, like, even, like, and I feel like sometimes in the past we've kind of gotten a little let down on those where, like, they'll throw in mm-hmm. a ghost one and then, like, something else. And then there's just two conventional, like, mm-hmm. crime ones. But at least, like, yeah. if the crime ones are scary, it, you know, yeah. uh, this 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 episode was, well, it was bookend, ended by, like, the segment at the end is, you know, 
you can you can make that you can say, you can make the argument that's a Christmas themed one. The one at the beginning yeah. is just sort of, I mean, you know, it's a I guess a feel good segment. I mean, and that's really the thing. Like, it probably didn't even have to be. They didn't have to be like Christmassy. They just, you know, it's it, when you have like murders and kidnappings <laughs> in your Christmas themed episode. It's. It's just not the, the the mood just isn't going to be there. I don't know what was going on here. I mean, at least they could have done like a ton of like lost loves. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've gotten all we've gotten several episodes that were like, you know, and endless lost loves. Yes. And uh, I don't I don't really know why the chips fell as they did on this one with having so much violence and scary <laughs> shit going on. <laughs> right. Seven o'clock. Psycho sees Santa's workshop. Eat this. And only Lee Majors can stop them. The night the reindeer die. Which is to say, there is the first segment that you're going to talk about, yes. right? Is uh, uh, kind of related to Christ. Yeah, I <laughs> sort mean, of. Uh, um, well, there, there's there's some Christianity aspect to it, and I think. If I recall correctly, the kid gets out of the hospital a little bit before Christmas. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess, you know, technically it took place during the Christmas season, but that's about it. But yes, the first segment. In December 1982, uh, we get mm-hmm. a reenactment of the family discovering that their son, Chucky, this kid's name is Chucky McGurvin, which is just the um, McGivern. McGivern, which is just mm-hmm. such a brutally unfortunate name. I don't. We'll just move past that. He contracted the chicken pox, but then mm-hmm. uh, they at, at the at home they discovered that he had lost consciousness. Um, mm-hmm. So they took him to. Uh, the hospital, and he was diagnosed with Rise syndrome, which I'd never heard of before. R- yeah, Rise syndrome. Oh, Rise. Yeah. I don't know what that is, <laughs> and Unsolved Mysteries doesn't really explain Basi- what that is, other than it's like very serious. It's very serious. It's kind of rare. It only really affects children, and sometimes kids die from mm-hmm. it. Um, right. Um. So at this point, though, I want to mention while I was pulling up the wiki page for this, yes, uh, for Chucky, um, I put in chicken pox because that's what I could remember <laughs> for the segment. And uh, that, do you remember that guy George the the medium from? Uh, it's the same season, but like several episodes ago. Yeah. Um, the, the guy with the beard who did the like drawing where he had the thing in his hand. Right. He, you know, he's a total huckster. You remember that guy? Oh, I, how, how could I forget that guy? Okay. Didn't his story start with him having the chicken pox and having encephalitis and almost dying? Oh, yes. You're right. There was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. Yes. And um, I just wanted to point out that kids used to die from the chicken pox that is that is true yeah and uh now there's a vaccine for that i just wanted to point that out that's all okay (laughs) (laughs) so even the chicken pox was sometimes a deadly disease but anyway uh yes 
Chucky. Yes. Uh, in this segment, we get a series of just a series of things like his parents, you know, they're they're yeah. in the hospital, you know, sticking close yeah. to him. Relatives show up. Uh, some cousin or something gave uh, gave the mother a medal of St. John Newman. Mm-hmm. Um, who is some sort of saint of, I don't even, I don't mm-hmm. think it was related to like young kids recovering from illnesses or anything. Right. <laughs> no, he's a, he was the patron saint of vocations. Okay. So, I so mean, like trades people. So, so, so I mean, he, he seems like he'd be more appropriate if, if Chucky is like trying to decide what he's going to do with his life or, or something after high school. Yeah. That seems like a appropriate, like high school graduation gift. Right. Right. Yes. You're, yeah. 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 But well, the thing is, well, this, well, this, yeah, the thing is Jerry, mm-hmm. go ahead. He, he's Jerry, the cousin. Yeah. He was in some car crash and he, he, <laughs> He, I guess. Fir- I feel like I'm stepping all over your lines. Like I'm just jumping in. <laughs> well, I, I, and I get why. It's, it's, I, I would be doing the same thing. I, who, who wouldn't want to talk about the, like this cousin is just basically like, yeah, I got in a car crash once, and this metal mm-hmm. saved my life. It's like, yeah, okay. Um, so I guess in addition to vocations, he's. Yeah, uh, he's good for car crashes. I, I don't know what to to make of that, but mm-hmm. um, it's kind of his. I feel like it's his rabbit's foot. It's his. He thought you know Jerry thought it was like his lucky charm. I something. mean that's fine, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. You know if, if you feel feel that way, but so his like Chucky's mom. She pins the medals onto his pillow on like either side of his head. Um, right. Like, I got to talk about the scene for a second. Yeah. Okay. Because there's like all, it's not just one metal. There's like several items, at least in the reenactment. Right. And they're, and she's very carefully pinning them up. Um, And she also talks about like making sure that they were face up. Right. Mm hmm. Um, This looked like some like white people voodoo do you know what i mean yeah like this was like her casting like having relics and casting a spell like if we take like if we take it out of this context of it being a white lady from philly like doing this like it really kind of was like in the vein of like that uh Maybe voodoo isn't the right word. I don't know. Somebody correct me, but like Santeria or something like that, where there's like a writ, where like there's, you know, artifacts have are imbued with power, and you and you use them in certain ways. Uh, yeah, it's sort of to like, like Dungeons and Dragons or something. <laughs> right. It felt a little. It felt a little white witch. It was a little magical. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and it's weird to me that uns- because it is in the context of Catholicism, uh, if any, if this were happening outside of that context, right? I'm remembering other unsolved mysteries episode or segments where they're talking. You know, there's all the satanic panic going on, yeah. um, and finding 
like a pentagram somewhere. I'm like, how is this different? Right. You are using an artifact You're using um, like a trinket or totem to imbuing it with power. Right. You're, you're putting it around your child's head and you're, you know, you're praying to God and you're trying to put the power of the saint around your child through these little pins. And then you are coming to some conclusions that they're, you know, you'll go over what happens, but like coming to some conclusions that you having done that ritual ended in a positive result. Like how the fuck is this not witchcraft? <laughs> like explain that to me, explain that to me. And why is that not satanic panic? And it is totally okay because it's a Catholic saint. It's the same shit that this lady is doing. She is doing magic. Anyways, <laughs> sorry, the anthropologist in me jumped out, but I was like, yo, this is like something else here. She's doing, you know, well, you know, like, well, the thing that I thought of when she, you know, when she's putting all that stuff up, do you remember that episode of news radio where Beth gave Mr. J James, like she gave him a lucky rabbit's foot. <laughs> Because he, he, I don't know, he, 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 yeah, vaguely, yeah, yeah. He was he was going into like some situation. He needed some good luck, or whatever. And she was like, "Oh, oh, Mr. James, here, have this." And then she started giving him other things, like if if you huh. if you take this this coin and you flip it three times, it'll keep your mom from getting a car wreck. And take this, and the, like they're getting more complex and whatnot. And finally, Mr. James is like, "Beth, are you giving me?" good luck charms or, or are you just dumping all of your obsessive compulsive disorder <laughs> items on me? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, and talking about obsessive compulsive disorder, like she makes this big deal about how she would go out of the room and at, you know, when, uh -huh. at some point she'd come back and the, the metals were flipped over so that they are facing yeah. the pillow, and she's like, "I didn't yeah. do that," and and yeah. I get I like it was like so. There, the, the show's sort of narrative is trying to suggest that this was this was supernatural. Because to me, what I'm thinking I, is, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, at least she is. Maybe maybe the show is just yeah. letting her ramble on, but like. To me, I'm I'm like what I see is a like a hospital orderly coming in, and uh -huh. like I don't know changing, changing the uh, the sheet on the the pillow, <laughs> and like he takes yeah. the the things off and then he puts them back on and you know he just you didn't realize you're supposed to put them in some weird yeah. obsessive compulsive disorder way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, yeah, because if their face if they're not correct. We, if they're not face up, then the magic won't work. Precisely, Crystal. The magic won't work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's literally—that's literally what this entire segment comes down to. Is like Chucky's mom did some magic. Um, yeah, but then some more, like some more weird, kind of really creepy stuff. Well, starts, well it's like happening. I feel like I feel like they keep they keep trying to like make things seem miraculous because then her husband uh -huh. like her husband the father was in the waiting room and they describe they have this real reenactment of a situation where this this child sort of wandered into the doorway mm -hmm. and you know the mm -hmm. father looked over at him and was like oh yeah like 
please describe the child because I would describe the child as Harry Potter ass looking kid. <laughs> so that is, is do you think do you think your mind went there because there was so much magic circulating around so, in this segment mm-hmm. already that you know yeah well and the kid had the weird bangs and like the round glasses and right and he was. Yeah, he should have pulled out a wand and waved it over. Yeah, Chucky. <laughs> Experience. Uh, yeah, he. Well, you know, to me, it was like I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, oh, there is because he's yeah, he's wearing dark glasses. He's kind of a little bit large, and like looking at him, I was like, there's no way this kid is not getting picked on at school, like. Right. He just he just looks like a walking target. Um, yeah. I didn't. I, he's got it. Yeah. He's a real nerdlinger. Oh, totally. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess Harry Harry is supposed to be a nerd character as well. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, do, do you think J.K. Rowling stole the idea for Harry Potter from this unsolved mystery segment? Uh, a combination. Of, um, a co- I think. Yeah. A com- yeah, I do. A combination of, of, of this segment plus the movie Troll, which has a character named Harry uh, Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think that's exactly what happened. I think she visualized what Harry Potter looks like based on <laughs> this mysterious boy and this segment of a show from 1993. Pre- yes. Yes, excellent. I'm glad we're in agreement. Uh, so, yeah, the father's looking over at this kid and he's like, he's he, he just... In the interview, he described like, yeah, you know, I, I was looking over at him. And I, was, I figured, oh, you know, in a few seconds, his parents are going to show up behind him and they're going to come into the waiting room. Um, but the kid just sort of, you know, lingered in that doorway and then left. And that, huh. and then that's where they uh, this links into like the next day or whatever. They're talking with. The doctors and one of the doctors was like, oh, by the way, this thing happened. I didn't just want to mention it at the time because you're already so worried. But um, uh, this kid and he describes what would in the reenactment, they it's the same kid. You know, he comes to the doorway of Chucky's room. And the doctors look at him like, yeah. And the kid's like, I just wanted to see Chucky. And then, like, he runs off, and the doctor's like, wait, wait. And I don't know why the doctor is yeah. so, like, urgent <laughs> running out in the hallway. Mm-hmm. It's like, this isn't a missing kid or anything, Doc. I mean, if I, if I was the doctor, I guess I, I would have just assumed, like, oh, it's one of his siblings or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, he, he sprints out, but the kid is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which... Surely, surely it was supernatural and not just like the kid wandered off mm-hmm. into some other room uh, mm-hmm. where, where his grandpa's hooked up on dialysis or something. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, but Robbie, what happens to Chucky after this little boy appears? Well, okay, well, we get like a couple uh, there's there in between like a priest uh, showed up and he was given Chucky's last rites. Um, and then later Chucky regained consciousness and, you know, all the, all all the family are elated and whatnot. And when he, when he regains consciousness, he, he starts talking about like, where are my presents? Um, 
and proceeds to describe like this dream. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you're 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 having trouble keeping composed at this point too, because yeah. Mm-hmm. Um he, he describes this Who was in the dream, Robbie? <laughs> God. Um well, there were a lot of Asian kids. And yeah, that's what Chucky said. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's what's in the reenactment. They 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 hired a bunch of Asian kids in the reenactment and they th- yeah. there are like Christmas themed wrapped gifts everywhere cuz that he's describing in the stream these kids are all giving him gifts. Uh-huh. And there's this slow turn. Um, and it turns, it's that same Harry Potter looking kid. Although. Wow. Not Asian. He's not Asian. I was actually beginning to like wonder, like when I was watching this, like, wait, is he, Uh is he Asian too? I. No. Okay. I, (laughs) I thought that was what maybe the implication. It's, 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 here's the thing. Chucky, we Chucky is alive, right? And he's much older, and he's part of the segment now. Yeah. And he's talking about his dream. And he said there were a bunch of Asian children, and they were giving him gifts. Um, That goes unremarked upon and unexplained. Yes. And then it's just in the reenactment, and it doesn't come up again. <laughs> right. Well, I mean... Clearly, in the real world, if Chucky said that to his parents, it was because, like, he wakes up out of this thing, and naturally, as a small kid, in late December, his thoughts are all about Christmas. And, mm-hmm. and you know, he's, like, like I could fully believe this kid is, like, not even, like, like I mean, he's probably curious why he's in the hospital, but primarily, mm-hmm. he's, like, presents. Cri- Christmas. Right. Is it Christmas yet? Right. Presents. I was uh, I was having a dream yeah. where where I was being given presents, uh, but yeah in yeah. in the dream like in a slow rotating reveal that same Harry Potter looking kid like who had his mm-hmm. back to 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 Chucky at the start uh-huh. reveals himself and it's kind of funny now that mm-hmm. you mentioned the Harry Potter thing because I did think at the time because mm-hmm. he was wearing normal clothes earlier in the segment. But for for like mm-hmm. when he first turns, it kind of feels like he's wearing these robes. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought they were going sort of with this idea, like try and make him look like a you know uh, a, a Christian monk or, or something. And he gives mm-hmm. he gives Chucky a gift, and they're like the best of friends or something. Yeah. Well, what's the? Do you remember the gift that uh, this mysterious child gives Chucky in his dream? You know, I, I I was looking at the, I was watching that, the the segment, because uh-huh. I I felt like I didn't quite understand exactly what was happening. Like he turns, uh-huh. and he gives him what uh-huh. I, I'm going to assume was some sort of toy bow and arrow. Yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah. I mean, because mm-hmm. the only other thing it could be was a hacksaw, and I don't, hmm. I don't think it was that. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a very mm-hmm. weird thing to give give a kid. But 
Yes, it gives him a, a toy bow, bow, bow and arrow. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. not in its packaging, which to me, no, just cries cheap. Like he's not actually giving them a gift that he acquired for him. He's giving him a gift that he mm-hmm. wants to get rid of. He's regifting. Yeah, yeah, he's regifting. What a- this mysterious boy is regifting <laughs> to Chucky. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Chucky gets better. We get this dramatic thing where he's being wheeled out of the hospital and the nurses are giving him high fives. And then for some reason they mm-hmm. visit like a church or a shrine, uh, the, the shrine mm-hmm. to, to St. John Newman. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, early, earlier, like someone put up a picture of St. John Newman in Chucky's room Mm-hmm. And the mom's like, I mm-hmm. asked all around and no one knew. But I, I would say like mm-hmm. 99% certainty it was that cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Since he's already a big. It was cousin Jerry. Yeah. For sure. Yes. So when they go to the shrine, uh, Chucky sees some like drawing of uh, St. John Newman. A- mm-hmm. as, a, as a little kid. And he's like, that's the boy in my dreams. Mm-hmm. And the parents are like, what? Mm-hmm. And there it is. There it is, Crystal. Like, there it is. The, the, the ghost. That happened. Yeah. The ghost of the patron saint of vocations visited their sick son and gave him a bow and arrow mm-hmm. in a dream. Mm hmm. <laughs> That's right. And helped them get better. While surrounded by Asian children. Yeah. <laughs> surrounded by Asian children. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the segment. We get a little stack outro where he's standing next to a Christmas tree. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's like, so did some, did a miracle happen? Or maybe it was just some good luck? Uh, in the case of mm-hmm. this unsolved mystery, a rational explanation is hardly necessary. Which. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like a strange editorial spin, but whatever. I mean, I'm going to share something now. Oh. Uh, I was in middle school or maybe it was early high school or something. And I got really sick with the flu and I had a super high fever. I was really unwell. Okay. I'm going to say I had like a fever of like 103 or something. It was bad. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was sleeping in my room and I woke up to see the Lord and um, the this, you know, Jesus Christ uh, just surrounded by a halo of light and he was putting his hands on me and then a couple of days later I got better. So here's what I think happened. <laughs> Um, Chucky's brain was swollen. <laughs> okay. And it was shutting down. And, uh, he saw some weird shit in his coma. And, uh, I think similarly, when I had a high fever, my brain was shutting down and I saw Jesus because I live in the, you know, Judeo Christian Western paradigm of things. Okay. Yeah. That's all. I'm just saying. 
I don't think I actually saw Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I saw Jesus. I saw him. You, I don't think it was Jesus. You, you, you are no. the epitome of uh, seeing is not believing between this and your your ghost mm-hmm. stories, and uh-huh. like, uh, which which I appreciate. I appreciate the um, uh, being this skeptic. Is, is is not yeah a bad well thing. i mean i you hallucinate when your brain is swelling or you have a fever it's a thing that happens <laughs> but are you, you know, are you and, saying and that we should go with the simplest explanation first i am yeah uh, okay i do think this is a really nice story though but it is it is uh it's very strange because this chucky's mom was like doing magic to and around chucky and her magic worked Right, her magic say that. But it is—it's strange that when when things of a similar nature or this type of ritual is done outside of like, you know, the Christian pantheon of what's acceptable, it's satanic panic time. There's someone I know from the world of civil war mm-hmm. reenacting. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess his family, they used to belong to some church or something. This is like in Redding, mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know what, what he believes or, or anything. He hasn't talked about his own beliefs or whatnot, but he does not participate in that church anymore. He's, he's actually quite mm-hmm. sort of like hostile to it. And he was mm-hmm. sharing these news stories with me of like the, the whoever the leaders of this church war were tr- were like like there there are these members of the congregation who had lost a child tra- you know very tragically mm-hmm. they were like you know they were bringing the parents with them as they were like trying to break into like the morgue or the funeral home or whatever it was okay because they like they were telling the parents that like we can literally resurrect this child from the dead oh yeah like in perry mason <laughs> there was an episode of perry mason like that <laughs> no the 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 new uh hbo reboot was oh okay had that plot line oh yeah okay so maybe inspired by the this actual event uh a Perry Mason. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a weird facet of like penta penta. Look, I'm probably getting the Pentecostals and the you know the uh, Santeria people all mad at me because I'm getting my shit mixed up. And pl- please feel free to correct me. I'll accept it. Whatever facts you want to <laughs> tweet at <laughs> us about why I'm wrong. But yeah, that does I I the revi- the the raising from the dead. Uh, thing is um i think a feature of like some branches of pentecostal christian churches okay. in the united states okay maybe england as well but i don't know yeah please please someone straighten me out i'd appreciate it uh needless to say i i'm very skeptical about being able to raise the dead yeah you know, um, who probably could have used that kind of thing is Neil Jennings. <laughs> Neil Jennings, indeed. If we travel to February 1988, 
we get a reenactment that starts out um, with the the Odessa, Texas Fire Department putting out a, a fire in a lot where there's a lot of mm-hmm. like debris and whatnot in a pile that's on fire. And they actually discover a body. And unfortunately, it was Neil, Neil Jennings' body. Um, he's mm. not uh, he's mm. not coming not coming back from this one. Um, we get a little bit of background on Neil Jennings. He owned an RV dealership, and he liked to, mm. as a hobby, restore classic cars. Uh, we just recently oh. had Hot August Nights here in in oh. the Reno area. Are they still doing that up there? I thought they moved it down to Long Beach like years ago. Yeah, you know, I remember that. Is it back? That was voiced as a thing, but. I don't remember like hot August nights ever going away. I wish street vibrations would go away. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, tell the people about street vibrations. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, hot August nights is fun. It, people, you know, they, they, they drive their old cars around and they, 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 mm-hmm. they park in like the parking lot of some of the big casinos in, in Reno and you know, people mm-hmm. get to look at all the, yeah. all the, cars it's it's if you're if you're into like old cars it, it's a lot of fun street vibrations for sure i've been many times it's it's super cool i love it oh wow okay cool uh street vibrations is not fun uh street vibrations is when like um instead of cool cars it's just people on really loud motorcycles and uh-huh. i don't know what they're doing other than just revving up their motorcycles endlessly all the time yeah. But it Yeah. Well, that's why it's called street vibrations. Yeah. The streets are vibrating. It lives it lives up to the name. There is a lot of uh-huh. vibrating going on. It's loud, obnoxious, and I just I don't yeah. care for Bad it. Bad times. Yeah. Yeah. But uh well, where do you fall on the uh John Swaga's nugget rib cook-off? <laughs> Which probably is happening soon here. If it's right. happening at all. That's 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 one of the other big things that happen in Reno. Um, you know, I love ribs. I only went to the rib cook off uh-huh. once, maybe twice. Uh-huh. Um uh-huh. I love ribs, but uh-huh. But I uh as as my doctor told uh, as my urologist told me ideally from oh my god you're so old you have a urologist i'm dying <laughs> i know right <laughs> uh, <sighs> please continue yes uh ideally my consumption of meat uh-huh. in the future should uh-huh. be no more than the equivalent of one deck of playing cards a day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, though i feel like i mean maybe i could Maybe I could just like not eat meat for a whole week and just sort of pile up on a, a day or something. Maybe I don't know. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. I'm not. I'm not holding back. Uh, I'm not holding back at your wedding. I'm gonna eat uh-huh. uh, food. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounded it. like a threat. Now that I <laughs> reexamine my words. Um, but yeah, uh, I you know I, I, I like the rib cook off. Were you were you a rib cook off person? Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, I was, I really, I think it was one of those fun things to do as far as like street festivals go, but I got a little frustrated because, you know, there's a, in the United States, there is a competitive barbecue circuit and one of the stops on the competitive barbecue circuit 
is rib cook-off. It's not the only rib cook-off in the United States. It's not even remotely the only barbecue competition. And so, um, you know, it's a very prestigious event, or at least it used to be. But the problem is, you know, you are paying a lot of money for some very tiny pork ribs. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you have to when you have to produce them in mass for a festival like that, which is different than the competition portion of of the rib cook off, right? So what the consumer can go and buy versus what the judges are eating. Yeah. They're not very good. They're not very good. I'm sorry. You could probably go to like there was probably like three barbecue restaurants in Reno that were doing better ribs than anything I had at the rib cook off. Oh, almost certainly, yeah. So very, very Yeah. So very interesting. Um, I did have like I've we've like I've don't give a fuck about the segment we're supposed to be talking about. I did have <laughs> incredible life changing barbecue when I was in Arkansas. Like Oh, I bet they have great barbecue down there. Well see the thing is like northwest Arkansas where I was at is not known for its barbecue. Okay. And they had they've had people come in in the last few years and open up barbecue restaurants. So I want to give a very special, very special shout out to Wright's Barbecue in Fayetteville. Um, it's everything you want. It's was it was fucking amazing. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> like game changing stuff. I may ha- um, and and blows anything I can get out in, in California out of the water. Like not even close. If, so. if you patronize that business, please tell them that we mentioned <laughs> mentioned them yeah. on the air. Um, I would like a coupon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, you know, that's actually uh, the sort of backing that yeah. we might be able to finagle out. Um, oh, God. I would I would love a Fright's Barbecue in Fayetteville, Arkansas. would love to like drop into an ad on the podcast. I would love that yeah. so much. Anyway. That would be wonderful. Yes. Back to the the segment, which is ostensibly. What were we talking about? Neil. Neil. Oh, poor Neil. And his classic cars. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but I kind of actually. Uh-huh. Just the way they portray him when he briefly appears in the reenactment. I kind of. Uh-huh. I kind of had a, a not so great impression of Neil. Um, they, they start out like he's dropping off a new mm-hmm. uh, a restored classic car to his brother. Uh, outside of Dallas, you know, he's there, you know, this guy, Bill, who he's hired to help him out is waiting by the truck and Neo and his brother, they're, they're walking along the, the car and, uh, you know, Neil's like, yeah, Bill, help me out with this car is work, works out pretty great. And, and, uh, let me tell you about this new guy I hired. I pay him $50 a week plus room and board. <laughs> and his brother is like, well, I guess that keeps him off the street. Right. <laughs> and I don't know. Like I very much got the, like just the way the, the reenactor was, was portraying Neil. I was like, just made him seem like this, like guy was like, I found someone who I can just milk for their talents for $50 a week. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That that's just the feeling I got. And then it doesn't help that like Stack in the narration is like talking about how Neil privately was mentioning he was having money trouble and he couldn't actually pay Bill that fifty dollars a week, which is like you want a RV mm-hmm. dealership. Uh, like you can't afford to pay someone fifty dollars a week. And mm. when Stack is talking about this, they cut to like 
showing like you're looking into the truck uh, from the passenger window and Neil's yeah you know, uh, Bill's sitting in the passenger seat and he just has this facial expression of someone who like is only being paid fifty dollars a week and they're not even getting paid that fifty dollars. <laughs> um, I'm not and I'm not saying that justifies anything that Bill does in the segment. Um, and I, you know, that may not even be the case in reality, but that's just sort of how it, <laughs> how it feels like, like what they're sort of showing in the reenactment. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so, uh, Neo gets in the truck and they drive, um, it was strange. They described it as that, fr- like this was on a Friday and then they said that Friday they drove 300 miles to the, you know, the town oil town of Odessa, Texas. And, mm-hmm. and when they said that Friday, it was like, and I, I was, I was checking the dates on all this. It was like, it, at first I thought they meant like the next Friday, the Friday of next week. But then it was like, no, it was that mm-hmm. same day. So oh, they could have just said that, that not, you know, that day. Um, yeah. And, and the thing was, is I, I was, really trying to get the, the dates right on this because uh, later that's going to be uh, <laughs> a thing that I'm going to mention. Anyway, uh-huh. they check into a motel room uh, or a motel. Um, uh-huh. And I think this is like, this is the last time anyone sees Neil. Right. Uh, is that night. And then we get a series of strange events that, I can understand why after watching the segment, you, you still didn't feel clear as to what happened because, mm-hmm. um, as it turns out, cause neither is, neither is the law enforcement. Cause they're like, you know, they're like, what we don't understand is like this order of events. Cause it doesn't really quite make sense. Okay. So first bill shows up at like the house of the guy who introduced him to Neil and he's mm-hmm. like, shows up. He's like, oh, hey. Uh, and you, you know, he looks all sweaty and tired. And he's like, hey, can I get a glass of water? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. Hey, mm-hmm. where's Neil? And he's like, oh, you know, we just got back into town. And I dropped him off at a lady friend's place. They're having dinner or something. And, um, you know, he's like, uh saying something about like the battery in the truck went dead. Can I have a jump? And so, you know, this guy agrees to it and then they park the, you know, they park the car near the truck nearby. And we get this reenactment of this, this man, like looking out the window of his house, holding a coffee cup and seeing Mm -hmm. Bill sort of like circle around the truck, looking at the, uh, just like, uh, being obsessed with the, the 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 back of the truck, which is covered with a tarp, so you don't know what's underneath it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, the, yeah, that's Saturday. They say Bill stopped by a rundown motel, and I was never mm-hmm. clear on whether this was a different motel than the one that he was that they checked into Friday night. Um, but yeah, he shows up and he goes up to some people and he, he like, he tries to sell them Neil's truck for $1,200 and, you know, he can't really find any buyers for it. Uh, and, 
he's like, well, okay, if you won't let me, if you if you're not gonna buy it, can I at least like park it behind your motel? <laughs> and for some reason, they agree. And then like that afternoon he comes back and he asks them if they have like a pickaxe and a shovel because he's going to do some work fixing a water line for an old lady and the couple who manage or own the motel or whatever like uh we don't really have a those those things and bill uh, you know fairly pleasantly is like okay yeah no no, no problem and then, like, he goes, he arrives at a convenience store. You know, that's, you know, it's less than a mile away. So, like, he's not really geographically going too far any which way uh, in this. And he's like, hey, my truck's overheating. Can I uh, work on it, you know, in the back, you know, back or whatever? And the, you know, the guy behind the counter is like, yeah, sure. You know, that's, that's fine. And then, uh, you know, and as Bill's walking out to go back to his truck, I just want to take a moment here to pause and say that we have a radio that's playing and it's recounting mm-hmm. some sports scores. <clears throat> and it's talking about a um, uh, apparently a game between the Boston Celtics and the Chicago Bulls uh, that the uh, Celtics apparently won 110 to 102. Uh I looked up the <laughs> okay <laughs> the yeah the, the, the did you yeah the Boston Celtics schedule from February 1988 mm-hmm. and early March 1988 um within the time period and even like a week to either way that this uh, from any in either direction from this weekend uh, that they're they're describing here. The Boston Celtics do not play the Chicago Bulls at all. Yeah. Um, There there is in mid to late March, two back-to-back games they played against the Bulls. Uh, One they lost, 103 to 113, and another they won, 137 to 107. So Mm. I don't know if Unsolved Mysteries, I mean... I appreciate they were trying to put it in time period by like, yeah, let's let's have the boss have the radio talking about the Boston Celtics. I mean, they were, uh-huh. they, you know, they 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 were still a, a, a top tier team in the NBA in 1988, um, but uh, they they got it wrong. So shame wow. shame on them. Unbelievable, right? We expect a much higher um, standard from. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. I just I just wanted to to point that out. Robbie, I I almost complete. Maybe you were gonna. Maybe you noticed this as well. Yeah. But I almost completely forgot. Um. The there's a woman who was interviewed in Shadow who was just called Motel Guest or something. Mm-hmm. Um. And in the reenactment, Motel Guest is. Uh, did you did you notice the actress? No. Um, I immediately clocked her. I'm like, oh, she was on Mad TV. And so then what? Um, her name is. Yeah, she's uh, Stephanie Weir. Um, OK, she's since been in many, 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 many things. But uh, yeah, that was uh, Stephanie Weir was the motel guest who was carrying laundry. No shit. This really? Reenactment. 
Yeah. Ah, fascinating. Uh, yeah. I did not even pick up on this at all. I, I watch. I watched like the first episode of Mad TV. Mm-hmm. I was just like, eh, this is just. Uh, yeah, I don't think I rec- I don't think I immediately recognized her from Mad TV, but she is. She does. She's a, a really prolific, like comedic character actress. Oh, okay. I would say. Oh, well, she. Yeah. So I. Re- she's been in a ton of stuff. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean. Yeah. But she's like she's like a that guy, or a that girl. Oh. You know, she's like not. Oh yeah. Name like brand that, recognition, but like that one guy. Yeah, like that one guy, but she's that girl. Got but she's she's been in a ton of stuff. But I immediately recognize her. I'm like, whoa, that's the gal from Mad TV. I didn't. I had to look up her name though. But I got really excited because I was like, oh, we had Matthew McConaughey a couple episodes ago. Now we're getting Stephanie Weir. Like, I'm wondering if as time goes on, we're going to start to recognize more people who went on to have like real acting careers after Unsolved Mysteries. It may, you know, it may be. It may be. Yeah. Um, I also think we're in danger of this being one of our longest episodes ever because well, there's a, we have two we have two more segments. We have I'll wrap through. it up, Crystal. Hold on. Okay, so so Saul, uh, the clerk at the convenience store, like a little bit later after Bill walks out, he hears two gunshots, and then mm-hmm. like Bill comes back a short while later, and he's got like a hand like full of a wad of cash and he bought yeah yeah uh, and he buys whatever it is he buys uh we have bill run into the uh the motel guest who he's like hey can can i can i throw can i throw my bloody shirt in with your <laughs> your with your laundry um mm-hmm. and then basically after that we get sort of like um because like on Sunday, uh, it's Bill sets the fire where he uh, burns the pile of stuff that had Neil's body underneath. And so, you know, when they interview the um, uh, see the local law enforcement, they're like, "Yeah, that's so okay." Here's here's the thing, like, so Neil, you know, he checked in with Bill at the motel on Friday. Uh, Saturday, Bill's going around, you know, trying to sell this truck. He, you know, Saturday, Saturday night, the saw at the convenience store, hears the gunshots. And then, mm. you know, then Sunday is, is when, um, uh, uh, when, when the body was burned, but were the gunshot, like if those were the gunshots that killed Neil, what, mm. where was Neil? Friday night and, and Saturday. Uh, was he just like tied up mm-hmm. underneath that tarp or something? No, no one knows. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so we get a update. They, 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 they caught, they caught Bill. Uh, not through unsolved mysteries, so it was just a plain text update. I really liked the segment. I watched it like five or six times, and not just because I, I had trouble understanding the chronology and i assume you know stephanie weir added something to it right right that's 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 always fun you know i gotta say after watching the segment twice and hearing you explain it again i still truly have no idea what the fuck happened (laughs) but what i do know is that uh you took them 
you took the producers to task for their basketball accuracy. <laughs> I did. And that um, the best barbecue in Fayetteville, Arkansas, is Wright's Barbecue. That's what I know after this segment. Mm-hmm. That's what I know. So, <laughs> in the spirit of Christmas, of this Christmas episode, we're going from a man who was set on fire to a young Navajo woman who is sex trafficked. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Because it's Christmas, and that's what Unsolved Mysteries wanted to talk about, I guess. There's stories to the spirit of the season, Crystal. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, what? So, well, when I made that joke to uh, Dave, who was watching the, Dave, my fiancé, was watching the episode with um he made a funny joke which i'm going to repeat now is dave's joke so i said wow what a christmas episode a guy's been set on fire and then dave said was he coming down the chimney <laughs> so that's dave's joke oh, but I, I i like that too you, you, you yeah that's good you and then i said to dave i'm like do you want to record with robbie <laughs> Ooh. uh and then, uh, and then he stopped. He stopped making jokes about on some streets. All right. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna t- we're gonna switch gears a little bit. We're gonna go over to uh, New Mexico, mm-hmm. um, as Peggy Hill would say, and talk about um, poor Anthonette Cayadito. Um, in nineteen, let's say eighty six. Um, then nine-year-old Anthonette was uh, kidnapped from her home. And uh, her mother, Penny, uh, finds out about this. As she, you know, Anthonette's no longer in the house when she gets up the next morning. Uh, nobody's seen Anthonette. Um, the police start searching the foothills if I know Trace. Um, so there's... Uh, she's gone, okay? She's gone. So a year goes by. And this 911 call comes in to uh, the Gallup dispatch, Gallup, New Mexico dispatch. And uh, there's a gal on the other end. She's saying that she's Anthonette and saying that she's in Albuquerque. Um, and then this is the, this isn't the one they played the recording of. I don't think there was another one. Or was this it? Was this the actual 911 recording or were they reenacting it? I was very confused. Oh, man. If... I was wondering about that myself. Like, um, I, it kind of, I had the feeling that it was the the actual recording. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was weird because the, the girl or woman on the phone is trying to be quiet. So she's kind of talking in hushed tones. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then you do hear a, a man in the background said who's who said you could use the phone, and then the girl screams and the call ends. It's very creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. Oh, totally. And uh, so the police, um, you know, play the recording for the mother Penny, and Penny's, you know, one hundred percent certain it was Anthonette. Um, and although she didn't, she didn't know who the man's voice was. Uh, police tried to find where the call came from; they couldn't find it. Um, so on and so forth. Uh, about five years later, so I guess it would be 1991 at this point, uh, they age adjust some, uh, photographs of Anthonette to make her look like she's 14 years old, not the nine-year-old who was kidnapped. And, um, 
uh, there was a waitress in a diner, and she was in Carson City. Carson City, Nevada. Uh, Nevada. Yeah, home, home, hometown hero here, um, who had recently had an experience where there was a uh, a couple of young people sitting at her table and this young woman was uh kept dropping intentionally dropping her utensils on the floor trying to draw attention to herself basically and the young woman had grabbed the waitress's hand and like looked at her um and then finally um after after the the young people left the waitress was busting the table and she saw that that the girl had written on a napkin says please help me call the police and so the waitress saw the age progress poster and thought it might be anthonette so again anthonette's family is given some hope about like what may have happened um and then uh the interview the police finally interview uh the sister wendy who was five years old at the time of the kidnapping so i guess she would be at this point probably about 11 years old um and she she said that she had actually seen anthonette be kidnapped uh wendy said there was a knock at the door and someone said they were uncle joe and then uh, anthonette went to answer it and then two men grabbed her throw in her van um, and then drove off. So uh, Uncle Joe, I guess, was cleared. He was an actual uncle. That's why Anthony opened the door for them. Um, so it gives a lot of credence to the idea that whoever abducted Anthony like knew enough, knew the family. Um, yeah. The most interesting part of the segment, I thought, <laughs> was uh, finally in 1992, Penny, the mother, goes to... <laughs> well, and you warned me about this. I did. <laughs> Penny, the mother, um, goes to a Navajo medicine woman um, in order to, to, you know, now now Penny's doing her magic, right? Mm-hmm. So we had in the first segment a mother doing magic, and now we have Penny also doing magic. And the uh, Unsolved Mysteries was allowed to actually film the ceremony, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, when they produced it, when they edited it, boy, did they... Boy, did they throw in the pan flutes. Oh, boy. The return of the pan flute. (laughs) Return of the pan flutes. Guys, just because it's a Native American thing doesn't mean we need to use pan flute music. Okay? We don't need to do that. Um... So they they did the ceremony and uh, the medicine woman says, you know, Anthonette is still alive and she also may have a child at this time, definitely being held against her will. And she's still somewhere in the United States. So that's where we leave it. Um, you know, I, I'm not in the segment. Yeah. The thing is, is like those 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 tips, those those clues or that information mm-hmm. is so generalized that like, I mean, that's all stuff you could kind of just guess. Like I, you know, like if, if someone like, if I, if I needed to like, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, she's, um, she's being held against her will with the threat of violence and they're far from a major city and they're somewhere in the Southwest United States. That's mm-hmm. the sort of stuff you could throw out there. And then that they found her. I mean, it's likely mm-hmm. all those would have turned out to be true just because of the nature mm-hmm. of the crime and everything else. 
one thing I, w- I wanted to say, though, is it is unfortunately not very rare that, uh, especially, um, I know a lot of attention has been given this, to this in Canada recently. Yeah. That um, First First Nations women are just disappearing. Right. And probably uh, a lot of them have been murdered. A lot of them have been trafficked. There is no doubt in my mind that Antoinette was trafficked. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't have any theories as to whether she's alive or dead. Uh, the wiki I'm looking at seems to think she probably uh, is deceased. Uh, you know, but it is unfortunately not a rare situation where this is going on, um, you know, in these communities. Yeah. And I think it's honestly very cool that Unsolved Mysteries at least brought attention to this case. Because very often, it, I mean, for the last however many years it's been going on, probably since the 1970s, like it's been, you know, these women, their disappearances have been ignored. So, right. oh, yeah. and Antoinette was not a woman. She was a child when, yeah. when this happened. So, um, anyway, so pro- I just props. I mean, yeah, they used the pan flute. On the other hand, they kind of like brought attention to an issue that, you know, isn't isn't and was not talked about in the mainstream until like super recently. Yeah, so. yeah. I guess I guess I guess the the latter does massively outweigh the former. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, not not really a warm fuzzy holiday segment, though. Right, especially since there's no update. There's no update, oh um, Robbie. Well, at least after after all of that uh, hard news, unsolved mysteries gives us a very nice. Christmas chaser. Okay, so let's talk about Russell and Gene Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, uh, as of 1985, they have retired to Florida. Um, Russell, uh, Russell had to retire early due to a heart heart attack. I guess he was a uh, fire chief, and um, now Russell spends his time. <laughs> In the cutest way possible, uh, making custom dollhouses, that, and that's cool. And there was what was the other thing that he was doing? Oh, as a it was also cute s- stuff for church organ, restoring church organ organs or something. Yeah, yeah. he he uh, restored or tuned up uh, pipe organs. Right, that's right. Right. Um, and one of the things that uh, Robert Stack says in the narration is that both him. And Gene, uh, you know, after Russell's open heart surgery and Gene had had a battle with cancer, um, their financial their financial situation was precarious. They didn't have a lot of money. And and that's kind of a standalone statement. Right. And I'm not trying to get on any high horse here, but I do know that there, there are viewers and there were viewers of Unsolved Mysteries in other countries. So there's just a standalone statement that says. Oh, yeah, of course, after Russell had open heart surgery and Gene had a battle with cancer, they're dead broke. And then and then we just move on. Like, that is just an accepted statement. And we just move on with the segment. Um, and I, I kind of got hung up on that because it is such a uniquely, like, American <laughs> predicament, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, they had some health problems and now they're dead broke. Makes perfect sense. Okay, let's move on with the story. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just a fact of life. Um, and if you're watching this in another country, maybe, maybe at the time that was not self-explanatory to you. (laughs) (laughs) 
if uh if, if so if 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 you if you want to write in and tell us how much you spend on medical care in your country of origin, feel free to. Yeah. We'll be very interested. Yeah, feel free. Feel feel free to uh, make me want to uh set some fires. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> Um so Russell and Jean are just being the cutest and uh one day Russell's out in the garage and um Gene comes in to talk to him about something. And a disheveled man, uh, you know, in in the reenactment, he's kind of got a dirty face. He's a tall, tall white guy. He's older. He's kind of the same age as Gene and uh, Russell. And and he's, you know, saying, hey, is there this man is saying, hey, uh, is there some work I can do uh, so I can eat? Is there anything you can, you know, pay me to do? And and. Russell's like, well, we don't, I don't have any work. I can't pay you to do anything, but we can feed you. And then Jean very, this is like cutting to her in the present day. Jean very proudly says, he's like, normally we, you know, we usually didn't have lunch in those days, but I had just been in the market. And so I had plenty of lunch meat. So I figured, you know, like, why not help this man? So I, you know, Jean is sent into the house to get the sweet tea and make sandwiches. And uh, Russell sits down with the man just to, you know, be be with him because he seemed very tired. And I guess the, the mysterious uh, man eats like three sandwiches, he drinks a bunch of iced tea, just has a nice rest for five minutes. Um, and he tells Russell that he'd come come from Houston. Remember, they're in Florida. So it's pretty far away. Yeah. And uh, the man hadn't been able to find any work. And um so before the man goes off, Jean uh, runs in the house real quick, you know, robs the cookie jar of whatever change she's got. I think they give him five dollars cash. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, you know, good deed done. Um, they they go around the house to wave goodbye to him. And and suddenly the man is gone. He's completely vanished. Uh, so. This is where it gets to be Christmas time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every year, uh, I think for five years after that, a stranger in a Christmas card has sent them a check for $500. And the first check they got, there's a reenactment where... G- now, Russell and Jean are in the reenactment. This is very important. Yes. This isn't, these aren't actors. They actually got Russell and Gene in the reenactment. So Russell and Gene go to the bank and they're talking to the bank person and they're like, hey, you know, is this a joke? Can you, is this real money? Um, I was almost, too, you know, I was, I, I feel like I'm getting duped here and I was almost too embarrassed to come into the bank and cash this thing. But, you know, could you take a look at this? And the guy at the bank says, yeah, this is real money. It's made out to you. We can cash this check. And so, um, one of the things I noticed in the reenactment is is how physically close Russell and Jean are to each other. Oh. And yeah. at some point, like Russell puts it's either Russell or Jean touches the other one's arm, and there's just like a very loving way between the two of them. Oh. And at this point I wanted to start crying <laughs> because they're just the cutest people. <laughs> and they're so kind. And so for five, every year for five years, they've been getting these $500 checks on a Christmas card, either from a friend or from Santa or, and, uh, anyway, they call him their guardian angel. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's... they. I guess I guess this is a lost love because they were going on Unsolved Mysteries because they want to find the person to thank him. But I don't think this person wants to be found. No, right no, right. no. Um, I don't think so. It's um, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm well. I'm glad. I'm glad you got a little bit of uplift after <laughs> the middle segments. Mm-hmm. And mm, yeah, well, I think we all needed it after those middle two seconds. Yeah, and I, 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 I guess you're you're just super thrilled that this this adorable older couple that you 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 like, you know, they're they're yeah. getting they're getting these big checks and and it's yeah yeah um, yeah. Well, and then Robert Stack reminds us very menacingly to be kind or something. <laughs> the end of the second <laughs> it didn't it was kind of was vaguely threatening as well yeah, you, you better you better watch out because elliot ness is making a list and te- checking it twice jesus christ <laughs> um yeah you know i i've thought about this segment for decades now and because uh-huh. I, I was wow yeah because like you know we don't know we don't really know who sent these um, these Mm-mm. these cards, and I, I guess like as a kid, it didn't occur to me like, oh, it could it could be some friends, a friend or friends of theirs who are trying to like help them out at the end mm-hmm. of, of each year. But that, mm-hmm. but the thing was, this, you know, the thing was, this, they gave that guy five dollars. And they're getting a check mm-hmm. for five hundred dollars five years in a row. Mm-hmm. It, it does mm-hmm. kind of feel like the the two are con- related. Mm-hmm. And I so I like for for years I've I ponder like, okay, well it can't. Did that five dollars? Did that help that guy get like a bus ticket somewhere and he got a job and mm-hmm. or or. or um, was he just like, was he like an eccentric rich guy who was like, I'm going to go door to door posing as a homeless person. Uh-huh. And the first couple uh-huh. who like actually, you know, try to help me <laughs> instead of like, go like, go away, go away. I'm going to do something really yeah. nice for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like. I mean, I hadn't, th- I hadn't thought of that. I mean, I haven't been thinking about this for decades. I've been thinking about this for about an hour, <laughs> but uh, that could very well possibly be. I also, I also have a theory. Okay. About what's going on, and listen, um, Gene and Russell are obviously very kind people, mm-hmm. and if they would give a stranger all the cash that they had. Yeah. Imagine what they've done for their friends and their family over time. And I also imagine that they're the kind of people who would not accept a financial handout if they knew where it was coming from. Oh, yeah. So I think, I mean, if there is a pattern of behavior here, not only did they help a stranger, they've probably helped a lot of people through the years. And there's somebody out there who, somebody else who has the means. Yeah. To make sure that they're okay every Christmas, so. Right, right, yeah. I th- uh, your 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 thing tracks. I think it's very logical. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, but I like your idea. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird that there's just some bored, rich, eccentric man that's like, I'm gonna test the metal and the morality of this community, and then he. 
<laughs> goes door to door until someone helps him it or gives him money and then he the num- you know returns it a hundredfold right you know <laughs> that, that i don't know that that's what you like i i swear to god like for years that that in that idea influenced my thinking so much that like i often like had these fantasies where like if I was obscenely rich that I would just go around doing stuff like that. Like let, Mm -hmm. let's see, you know, let's see if there's some, someone, some good soul out there who, who deserves, you know, the service to be rewarded for their actions. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, could be, yeah, could be this, this was a fun segment. I really enjoyed the, the, uh, yeah, I love this segment. In Unsolved Mysteries, if we got more of this feel-good shit, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to make us feel good, <laughs> or bad, or correct me because I don't know what I'm talking about, um, you can tweet at us. It's at ReenactedPod on Twitter. Uh, there's also some kind of Facebook why are you on Facebook? Why is anyone get off Facebook? I'm not even going to talk about that. Um, if you want to also maybe see your investment of $5 return a hundredfold, uh, you can, um, help us out on the Patreon. And I also, I, we also put some kinds exclusive content there for our patrons and that's re or what is it? Patreon.com slash reenacted pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, leave us a review on iTunes, five stars, and you might win a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll Robbie, say. I totally took the thing that you usually say. So that's fine. Do you want to? Do you want to end this in a very extra special Christmassy way? <laughs> uh, yes. From all of us here at Unsolved Mysteries. I'd like to extend to you and your family our best wishes for a safe, happy holiday. 